The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It's Let's ride. For the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What is going on, Dodger fans? Thank you for listening to another episode of the Incline Dodgers podcast. We are presented by Fansided. Your Los Angeles Dodgers are 41-33 and as we are recording right after the Dodgers pulled off a two-game sweep of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. The Dodgers do find themselves currently, though, in third place behind the Arizona Diamondbacks by three and a half games and one game behind the San Francisco Giants, who cannot seem to lose, and more on the Giants later. But me and Jake Reiner are here, and I think the biggest takeaway in this series is what a performance by the Dodgers pitching staff looking down the line of all the incredible performers over these two games. It starts with Clayton Kershaw in game one, who pitched seven shutout innings and has been on fire in the month of June. He has a 133 ERA as he has been the consistent guy in this Dodgers rotation and really the only one that's been able to stay healthy which has kind of been a knock on his entire career, but he is the MVP and Cy Young of this Dodgers pitching staff. Um, what was incredible with Kershaw was, I forget the inning, but it was in the later parts of the game. He had runners on second and third, nobody out, and he was, was able seventh. to. So his last inning of the game, he was able to get out of it. No damage across as the Dodgers hold on to win 2 nothing behind Caleb Ferguson, and Evan Phillips coming out of the bullpen in that first game, Evan Phil uh, in that first game, Caleb Ferguson was able to get out Otani and Mike Trout. Um, and then the second game, what was announced as a bullpen game with Brewster Gratterall opening. Initially, we thought Michael Grove was going to come out of the pen and work the bulk load of the innings, but he ended up being a smokescreen as he did not pitch at all in that game. The Dodgers win once again, two nothing this time going against Shohei Otani as the pitcher Otani was absolutely the superstar that he is. I mean, he only gave up one run, which was a solo home run to Freddie Freeman. But other than that, he was flawless. He had 12 strikeouts. The Dodgers offense really couldn't touch him. But the story in that game was the Dodgers bullpen as they used seven relievers to throw the nine shutout innings. The Angels didn't score a single run in this series altogether. And Shohei Otani and Mike Trout combined for 0 for 14 in the two game series. So Jake Reiner, Dodgers pitchers were quite a bounce back from what we saw against San Francisco. Uh, what were your takeaways from this series and what can we expect to look forward with this Dodgers 
pitching staff and, you know, your thoughts on just how all these guys were able to step up in this, in these two games. Yeah, this was unbelievable to watch. I, I, I didn't know what I was watching. I mean, to go from the San Francisco series where they were just getting slapped around left and right, and then to shut down this Angels lineup, I mean, you compare the two lineups on paper between the Angels and the Giants, and who do you think would score 29 runs in a series versus zero? I mean, I, you would never pick the San Francisco Giants, which we'll get into a little bit later in that into that series. But boy, to shut Otani and Trout down for this for the entire series was was basically the series. The offense did enough to win, and this these two games felt a little. Uh, reminiscent of kind of the formula that was last year where the Dodgers would score just enough and the pitching was so elite that any lead was safe. This year, it's been the complete opposite where no lead is safe. And I was sweating it out with you, Kevin, during this bullpen game because some of the arms they brought in have been uh, complete catastrophes this year. Vesia, uh, Gratterall's been bad this year at times. Almonte's been bad at, uh, at times. I mean, Ryan Brazier, who knew who the, who knew what we had when we got him? He 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 pitched well. I mean, it was just kind of fluky almost how they, they were able to just turn this around on a dime. And not to mention, like, Clayton Kershaw, when they needed him most to pitch deep into the game, he pitched into the seventh inning. And that, along with the fact that the Dodgers had a day off uh, following this second game against the Angels – set up that bullpen game perfectly. I mean, it, like all those guys felt super rested. They only had to use two relievers in game one, and then they could use everybody in game two. So it was just a, a perfectly executed series by this pitching staff. And I'm hoping that this, this gives them the confidence moving forward as we're facing, you know, a pretty tough, not a juggernaut Astros team, but a pretty tough Astros team. And where the Dodgers are right now with the Giants and Diamondbacks not losing ever, I mean, th these are important series to win, but also confidence boosters for this bullpen. Definitely. Full credit goes to Dave Roberts. He managed fantastically in the series. Although you could question bringing in Alex Vesey in a one-run game. That certainly had me sweating, but credit oh. is credit is due where it's done. And Vesey is striking out Mike Trout, of all players. He got Otani out. He struck out Trout. That was Easily the best performance Vessia turned in all season. Gratterall looked great. He was actually generating whiffs. He had three strikeouts over the two innings that he opened the game with. So I think he turned in a better performance than what they could have gotten out of Michael Grove regardless. Gonzalez came in. He did his job. Almonte has started to turn the corner. He was able to generate some strikeouts with his sweeper. Um, then the mentioned Vessia. Then Brazier made his debut. He looked pretty good. He was able to get a strikeout here and there. And then Ferguson, who was great in both games, and Phillips closed it out. He was great in both games. And so recipe for success right there. I said last week or two weeks ago, this Dodgers bullpen was incapable of performing nine innings at, for a bullpen game. So I'll take my L there. They proved me wrong. They actually can do it. It, it goes to show you. And like you just said, Jake, hopefully this is – a turning point in the season and they can start to just compile successful innings after innings and make a good thing happen moving forward. Yeah. I too was in the camp of this bullpen, not trusting this bullpen to do a bullpen 
Titan game because we've seen how badly that's gone before. They also talked about how taxed this bullpen was. So this did not feel like a game that we were going to win when you looked at it on paper. Going up against Otani, which by the way, what a performance he he he, he put out there. I mean, he didn't do anything with the bat, but when he doesn't do anything with the bat, he does it with his arm. And that and and for someone that like hasn't really sat down and watched a full Otani start from start to finish. This is the first time I've I've really ever done that. It was a it was such a treat to watch. He was so good, so overpowering, overmatched pretty much everybody in the Dodgers lineup except for Freddie Freeman on that one pitch. Um, he was remarkable. But I really want to talk about the the Alex Vesia move because that was a move where I thought, okay, it obviously could have gone one of two ways, right? It's either a genius move to boost his confidence and say, hey, we need you in these types of situations. We're going to need to call on you in these big moments to come through, and we want to see if you still got it. That's one way it could have gone. But then the other way it could have gone, the Dodgers down one nothing. You leave him in to face Trout and... Boy, I mean, they he got away with murder there and it was able to get Trout out. And then they lifted him um, because, uh, as you mentioned, Brandon Drury, lefty masher. So that worked out fine. But w- I didn't know what the heck Dave Roberts was thinking, putting Vessia in that spot. But, I mean, it worked out. I, I, I think it just so happened to work out. I yeah. don't think it was a smart managerial move uh, by any stretch of the imagination. But it just happened to work out. And I'm glad it did because... Let's face it, we need Vesia. We need Almonte. We need these guys who were great last year to be great again. And especially with all the reinforcements that are coming back, Daniel Hudson's coming back. Um, I'm excited to see what he brings to the table. Who knows what Nelson's going to bring? We have no idea. But the Dodgers have guys coming back. And so to see these guys kind of turn the corner here, let's hope that's the case, uh, was, was great. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the only true reliever left in the pen that wasn't used in that game was Nick Robertson, and he has not really been that good so far as a rookie. So Robert's kind of spinning the chamber there, playing some Russian roulette, and this time a bullet did not shoot his brains out. What do you think? What do you think about the the decision not to go with Grove, or was the plan all along all, all along not to go with him? It seemed to me that. That the only way with with you know when we kind of got into the middle innings, the only way that they were ever going to bring in Grove is if is if it went sideways and and the Angels just you know completely uh, blew it open or something like that, and then you bring in Grove to kind of mop up the rest. But they really don't have a lot of confidence in him. It seems. I almost think it was just a momentum shift because Grove was warming up. If I'm not mistaken, before the game, we saw him stretching out and throwing some pitches in the pen. And let's be real, Grove is the worst option you have on this active Dodgers pitching staff. And so I think Roberts, maybe the gradual success, built some momentum. Then he went to Gonzalez, tried something out with Almonte, and then was like, all right, we're in the fourth inning. Let's just fucking go all bullpen here. And yeah. I honestly think that's might have just what happened there. Yeah, it's just unfortunate that we can't get a quality start or a quality outing for Michael Grove. It would be really nice. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll see if he makes another start for the Dodgers and then we can potentially trash him there. But the other player that I have to give a lot of credit to whose name hasn't been brought up yet is Will Smith. He started both games and he was a gem defensively. I mean, in a small two in a small two game sample series, this might have been the best I've seen from Will Smith. Will Smith. 
defensively as a pitch caller with the framing. He was in sync with every pitcher that came out there. And it's not easy being a catcher with a bullpen game, having to call for seven different pitchers. He did that. He was great with Clayton Kershaw, who threw the seven innings that we mentioned, giving up no runs. I mean, Clayton Kershaw has nine wins now on the season. He is a Cy Young finalist if you're looking down the board right now. I mean, it's between Gallon, Wheeler, and Kershaw, I think. Oh, definitely. And you think about now, I mean, they used to just use Austin Barnes for Kershaw starts, and now Kershaw's proving that he doesn't need Austin Barnes. He can he's he's good enough to pitch with Will Smith, which I always thought I always thought was the case. Um, so now it's going to be even tougher for Austin Barnes to, to get an at bat in there because he's, he's just not hitting the ball. And so, and he hasn't been great defensively throwing runners out or, or anything like that. So to me, having Will Smith match up with Clayton Kershaw is the best option for this team struggling to score runs at the moment. You need all the bats you can get in that lineup. So to have Will Smith out there, but how about. Not only in game one, the relay from Outman to Rojas to Smith. That yes. was great. Rojas' throw was a little offline, but Smith, as you mentioned, made the great uh, the great catch and the great tag. Uh, Got Drury on the helmet. Yeah, in the basically in the face. By the way, I don't know what Phil Nevin was was talking about. Maybe we can get into that a little bit, but he that that was kind of uh kind of insane. And then in game two, uh David Peralta. Best not run on him. I mean, he gunned that guy out at the plate like no, like no problem. I, I, I felt it was a bit of a, um, a gamble there for the for them to run on Peralta in that situation, given how shallow the ball was hit. But I guess they figured, look, the Angels aren't scoring runs anyway. They gotta, fi- they gotta f- just try, right? And they, and they failed both times. Absolutely, and yeah, the last thing with Smith and Kershaw. They need to have chemistry because you know that Will Smith's going to catch Clayton Kershaw in the playoffs. He did it in the Padres series, I believe. And if the Dodgers anticipate making a deep run, they're going to want to they're going to want to have Will Smith behind the plate to bolster the offense. Like you just mentioned, especially if you have J.D. Martinez as your D.H. Oh, 100 percent. Let's talk about Phil Nevin for just a second. What the hell? Like, what was he thinking in that postgamer? He basically said that. He was upset. Well, he got, I think, got thrown out of that game, but he was upset that, um, the, the, in his mind, the replay got it wrong on that, uh, play at the plate, that amazing play by Will Smith in game one. And he kind of criticized replay, saying they shouldn't use it. And he's like, yeah, we've got great umpires, great umpires in this league. Let them, let them call the game. What the hell are you talking about, dude? First of all, look at the replay. Look at the freeze frame. It, he was out by a mile. I mean, like it was so it was so clear, and and the uh, the call on the field was safe. So they they had to have you know a convincing evidence to overturn that. And you look back at that play. There, there's no question he was out. So I don't know what the hell he was talking about. I guess he's just he's just frustrated by his team. Must be yeah. I can't really find anything else. I think you hit the nail on the head. When I just look up Phil Nevin and Drury on Google, it talks about Brandon Drury taking a pay cut to to be uh, undermanaged by Phil Nevin. So I guess they had some type of relationship. <laughs> so that must be his boy. You're my boy, Blue. That was Phil <laughs> at the the press conference. But yeah, I mean that was that was two great games right there. Hopefully they move that momentum 
into the next series against another ALS foe, which we'll talk about later on in the show. Just to cover some other Dodger moves real quick. You mentioned Daniel Hudson. He's thrown two scoreless outings so far in Oklahoma City. It's reported that he should be back by the end of this month, actually. He'll catch up with the Dodgers either in Colorado or Kansas City. And so he was dialing it up, dialing it up as high as 96 too. I saw. So he's looking healthy. His arms fresh. Taylor Scott was DFA'd. He didn't really do much for the Dodgers. They DFA'd him to bring up Ryan Hudson, who made like one appearance and then he was sent down. Bullpen, more bullpen guys getting DFA'd. Home run derby. Andre Jackson is gone. The Dodgers have designated him for assignment. So if you've been following the show for a long time, you would know that I'm not a big Andre Jackson fan whatsoever. I've always thought and, he wasn't uh, very neither, good. Neither are the Dodgers. <laughs> and unless you're Jeff Spiegel, who was absolutely stunned by this move, who couldn't see this coming for some reason, then you would have you would have probably been on my side knowing that just Andre Jackson never really worked out for the Dodgers. He seemed to regress every season which, you know, it's always a shame when someone within your system who you drafted, developed, called up numerous times just doesn't get better. But he joins the camp of the Edwin Ucetas and the Dennis Santanas and the Mitch Whites and now the Andre Jacksons of guys that in the recent years called up and never worked out. Yeah. Also, Does that clear a roster, a uh, 40-man roster spot? It does not because they added... Ryan Brazier. Oh, Brazier, yeah. And yes, I believe that was who it was. And then Shelby Miller has gone on the injured list with a very bad strained neck that will keep him out three to four weeks. I don't even know what kind of neck pain you could possibly have to be out for potentially a month. Where the hell did that? It felt like it came out of nowhere. I know. That's, so that's a pretty big blow to the Dodgers fan. He was one of their top four relievers statistically. Uh, so I. I, I would imagine at this point Hudson will be back at least to fill somewhat of that gap. But yeah, in the meantime, Michael Grove was the one who took Miller's spot. Also, I find it, I said this to you during the game, but the fact that Jimmy Nelson's on the way back, I just, I'm like, what, when did that happen? Like we heard nothing about him for a long time. And now all of a sudden he's ready. I'll believe it when I see it. Like, who are you going to, who are you going to kick off the roster to bring in, to bring on Jimmy Nelson? They'd, they'd have to activate him off the 60 day, which means they got to DFA somebody. He was not very good in spring training, but who knows? I guess give him a chance. Send down Nick Robertson, call up Jimmy Nelson if he's ready. Yeah. I guess there's nothing, to, nothing to lose there. Uh, Reed Detmer has also pitched well for the Angels, but yeah, the Dodgers for nothing over the two games, if you combine it. So, You'll take it versus what happened against the San Francisco Giants. It's been a long time since the Giants have swept the Dodgers at home, but that's what they managed to do. They were in the midst of some winning streak when they faced the Dodgers. They've now won 10 in a row, which I don't know how that's even possible. The San Francisco Giants are good all of a sudden. If you're David, you're probably saying they're frauds and don't believe it. But this is what happened in 2021 where we just said, oh, the Giants will fall off. And they never fell off. They won 107 games. I don't think they're going to win 107 again this year, but goddamn, they might be one of the wild card teams. I remember you and I at one point during the 2021 season when it started to look like, okay, the Giants may be legit. We were kind of 
mm, we gotta we gotta kind of worry about them. But David was hell bent that they would die a death, and it and it never happened until the Dodgers knocked them out. So to me, like you've got to respect them uh, because for whatever reason they figured out the special sauce. I went to the Sunday game where they swept the uh, the Giants ended up sweeping the Dodgers. That was the final game of that series. And I was looking at that lineup and I was thinking, how in the hell is this lineup producing enough to now they've won 10 in a row? I don't get it. I'm looking at this Michael Conforto, Wilmer Flores, Blake Sable, Thyro Estrada. He's been pretty decent, but yeah. Brandon Crawford came back to life. Brandon Crawford. I mean, it's just, who are these guys? I I, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I just don't. Um, Because every expert, every pundit that makes these predictions have the, had the giants being mediocre, if not, you know, kind of uh, in the cellar. I mean, not as bad as the Rockies, but they were supposed to be fourth or third. And now they've won 10 in a row. I mean, just because we've been scarred by 2021, I think we have to respect them this year. But it's so infuriating because this, I don't know. I mean, their their bullpen's great, but the starting rotation is nothing to nothing to write home about. Yeah. I don't get it. I mean, I know the Do- the Dodgers played really bad in that series and their bullpen was absolutely atrocious. Um, to go from six no-hit innings from Emmett Sheehan to just basically just getting destroyed the rest of the way was just heartbreaking. And that's exactly where it started. Emmett Sheehan making his major league debut through six no-hit innings was removed after I believe he threw 89 pitches. He was in the eighties, something like that. Dodgers were up for nothing. Gratterall was the next reliever in. He gave up a two run home run. And then Victor Gonzalez came in. And before you know it, the Dodgers fell behind five, four. Um, and then they ended up going to extras after Freeman tied it. But then Vessia was Vessia and they lost seven, five. Were you okay with the decision? Were you okay with the decision to pull Sheehan after six innings? Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy eighty percent lean ground beef for three forty nine a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for seventy seven cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Yes, I was. I think that he wasn't going to finish the game. So it made it made no sense to run him out there for the to to try and get a seventh inning. I, well, actually, let me take that back. I don't think he was going to finish the game. That there's no way he was, even if he pitched the seventh inning and, and got through it with giving up uh, no hits again. I, I don't think he finishes that game. So what, what are you asking him to do? One more inning. That's all. That's the only thing I would have, I, I would have done differently is one more inning given how bad the bullpen had been. And then as soon as they took him out, that's when the, that's when the wheels came off. I believe yeah. it was Gratterall that came in. Yeah. I just said, yeah. Gratterall gave up a two yeah. run home run. Um, yeah. So the, to me, yeah. it's like I would have let him gone one more inning, but 
I mean, with a four nothing lead, the, this bullpen should be able to hold a four nothing lead. I was perfectly fine with the decision. You could tell that Sheehan was starting to labor towards the end. Anyways, I believe his last out was by a Mookie Betts diving catch. He was perfect, but the the highs of this Sheehan start definitely blew my mind out of the water. I mean, he was absolutely dotting the corners. He was hitting high in the zone. He was throwing 98. He had everything working, and they're going to give him a few more starts, so I'm excited to see what Sheehan can offer to this rotation. Absolutely just what an arm, a flamethrower. This Dodgers uh, farm system is no joke. I mean, they were talking about it in the broadcast that their double-A rotation when they had all these guys in there to start the season in about two months in, they were the hardest-throwing unit in the entire sport, including wow. Major League Baseball. So you saw it with Sheehan. Uh, we're hearing it with River Ryan, Brasso, Knack, Nastrini. All these guys are legit. So I'm excited that the Dodgers are finally integrating them into the rotation Meanwhile, Gavin Stone kind of don't have a choice. Exactly. And Gavin Stone's lost in space right now, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, after Sheehan came in, everything else was just an avalanche. I mean, Bobby Miller finally got exposed in his first in what was his first bad outing. The Giants were able to just do a number on him. And that was the implosion where the Dodgers eventually would lose 15 nothing because the bullpen just completely had a meltdown. And then Tony Gonsolin was pretty sharp through about four innings. And then I don't know if he's just battling fatigue or what, but after we entered the fifth, he got completely shelled as well. And the Giants had their number and that was the sweep right there. It was, a, it was an ugly three gamer. Yeah. No offense, all Giants offense. Yeah, they, they all kind of ran together in my mind. Like as you're going through it, I'm, I'm remembering those different moments that you just highlighted, but all I can rem all I can just remember is the feeling of just despair, just just awful, just terrible. Um, the, the offense kind of just disappeared to uh, a lot of missed opportunities with runners in scoring position. Um, that last game, Tony Gonsolin was just bad. Um, he got hit around pretty, pretty badly. The Dodgers had a lot of opportunities in that game to score runs and they couldn't get it done. Um, just, just bad all the way around. So to bounce back and and take two from the angels, I was really worried. It was going to be a two game sweep with the way they, with the way they had been playing. So I'm so thrilled that they were able to bounce back and basically hold serve um, because both the giants and the diamondbacks won tonight. So we would have even lost even more ground. So just to maintain that was huge. This is a quick yes or no question coming from me, actually. But is it time to acknowledge Gabe Kapler as an underrated manager? Is it time to acknowledge it? Yeah. I mean, look, if he if he is the reason, right, or if he is um, he and the coaching staff, if they are the reason that this Giants team is performing at the clip that they're doing, then yes, they're the most underrated coaching staff in Major League Baseball, probably the best coaching staff in Major League Baseball to have that roster producing at this level. Yeah, I would agree. And question coming from PDX Dodger fan on Twitter, who said last week that they weren't worried about us facing the Giants? And I think that would be a collective, all of us on the podcast, because we all completely rode off the Giants, figured the Dodgers would 
probably take the series, if not at least avoid a sweep. And we got our asses handed to them. What more can be said? I mean, Jake already listed off most of the hitters that destroyed us. J.D. Davis had, I think, a grand slam. So yep. that was terrible. all Bessia. Yeah, absolutely terrible. Hopefully they rebound. And hopefully that was rock bottom of the season because I know Dusty Baker, who's been on this show before, completely had a Twitter rampage where he was calling this team out and expressed his frustrations. Well, I, I also thought that this team sort of mildly compared to compared to Dusty, but I, I, I felt that that series was the crossroads series of the Dodger season could go one of two ways. It can either keep trending downward and they completely collapse. And we're talking just one of the biggest catastrophes ever, or they take that moment, like you said, as a rock bottom moment and then just take off. I mean, after the Astros, we're facing the Rockies, we're facing the Royals. I mean, this is a part of the season they could get right and they could go on a streak. So I'm hoping that at some point Arizona and, and San Francisco kind of come back to earth or maybe at least cool off a little bit. The Dodgers need to be ready to take advantage. And that's where we're going to transition because up next for the Dodgers, they have a three-game homestand with the Houston Astros. So if you're looking to get tickets to go to that game, and if you're still one of those fans that, you know, you can't get over 2017 and I don't blame you and you want to get tickets to boo the hell out of the Astros, you can find your tickets over at TickPick. All you got to do is download the TickPick app. And the best part of this ticket site, no, no service fees. So not only do they offer some of the best low prices out there to get your Dodger tickets, but you're also paying no service fees at checkout. So you know what you're going to be paying right when you swipe your credit card. So download the TickPick app. They're not just Dodgers. You can see hockey, basketball, football, which is coming up in a couple months, concerts, all types of various entertainment over at TickPick. Dodgers, Astros at Dodger Stadium Friday through Sunday. The Astros right now are 41 and 34. They are also a third place team. Although actually they might be second now. I don't know. Them and the Angels keep swapping, but the, the Rangers are in first nonetheless. And the pitching matchups are quite interesting because these are not Astros names I really recognize in the probable starters. You got Emmett Sheehan making his second start against JP France was a 3.42 ERA. You got Bobby Miller facing Ronel Blanco, who has a 4.66 ERA. And in the last matchup, Tony Gonsolin against Hunter Brown, who's actually been a good strikeout machine for them. And he has a 3.78 ERA. Worth noting that Jordan Alvarez is hurt with an oblique and will not be in this series. Um, but there are some other familiar names. A lot of them have moved on to other teams, but Alex Bregman is still there. He's been on a little bit of a tear 300 over his last, over the last week or so. Jose Altuve has had a down year hitting 264, and then guys not really affiliated with the cheating team, but our mainstays, Kyle Tucker, who's always been a threat and was pretty good for team USA the World Series MVP, Jose Pena. Uh, how about Jose Abreu? They signed him in the offseason. He has a 587 OPS. He's been pretty brutal. Um, then they probably got some other names that I'm blanking on. But yeah, this Astros team, I don't think they're as scary as they once were. I mean, Verlander's moved on to the Mets. Obviously, Cole signed with the Yankees a few years ago. Um, Lance McCullers is out for the season. 
That guy never pitches. Just never. He's never available, that guy. What the heck? It's do, we just, even, do we even give a shit about the Astros anymore? Or are they just another team at this point? I mean, most Dodgers fans would disagree with, with me and probably you on this, but I mean, they whatever. Like, they are just another team at this point. I, I mean, mo- like you said, most of those guys have moved on. Lance McCullers is dead. I mean, the there's the the whole core of that team is is just not there anymore. And they have won a World Series since the cheating scandal. So they got that monkey off their back. But nonetheless, it's going to be another electric series. And I and I, you know, foresee it being an electric series every time the Astros come to Dodger Stadium, whenever that is. Um, so I expect it to be electric, uh, in that, in that ballpark. The last time it happened, I believe was, was Carlos Correa still on the team? Yeah. 2021. Yeah. Correa hit a home run off Kelly. And I went to that series and it was electric and there were, and, and multiple fights broke out, um, (laughs) all across the stadium. It was just mayhem. Um, so I expected to be kind of rocking, but maybe not as much anymore because yeah, Carlos Correa kind of was public enemy number one. I mean, people, people hate Altuve, no, no doubt about it. And he's going to get his fair share of booze, but I think no one, no one gets it worse than Carlos Correa. Yeah. I mean, if you're booing Kyle Tucker and I called him Jose Pena, but it's Jeremy Pena, my bad. The other Jose's threw me off. But you can boo Bregman for sure, boo Altuve. But if you're booing like Jose Abreu and Martin Maldonado and Jake Myers and Chas McCormick, that kind of almost makes you a loser in my book because a bunch of scrubs, none of them were really even affiliated with that team. So move on. That's my point. Move on. We have Ken Giles now in our system. So if you want to boo him, if he makes it back up to the majors, go for it, I guess. Uh, but the other, the only other thing with this Astros team is they got a pretty good bullpen. I mean, Hector Neris has been good, 120 ERA. Nick Madden, 146 ERA, and then their closer Ryan Presley. So I think the key in this series is they're going to have to get some runs off the starting pitching, and then just hold on. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the offense kind of waking back up. I mean, they've been so good carrying this team for the majority of the season that I really hope that they can come back and and make some noise. The Dodgers have been putting a lot of rookies in the lineup. I mean, they've kind of been forced to to put all these rookies in there, and it's been kind of a lackluster lackluster effort from them. Um, I want to see more uh, from from. Even though, you know, Michael Bush has to go on a rant about him before he hit that home run in game two of the Angels series. But I want to see more. I want to see more from this group. I want to see more. I want to see Miguel Vargas put more games together. It seems like he kind of has these moments where he'll have a good game here and a good game there. And then, you know, kind of go through a a really down stretch. I want to see more consistency from him. And I also want to see James Altman make some more contact. It, I, too often during this slump of his, I'm seeing him just pull his head out and his head is not on the ball. And it just, he, his swing just pulls his head out and he's not, he's not watching the baseball. So hopefully he can make some adjustments, but we're going to, we're going to need this offense to, to come alive. We've talked about Outman in the past, but we haven't really had that conversation about Miguel Vargas yet. 
And I know he hit the home run off loop, but but let's be kind of honest. Loop is not a very good reliever. Is it time to start worrying about Miguel Vargas? He's down to a 207 batting average, hitting 170 in the month of June, was like in an 0 for 26 skid until he busted out of it with that home run. Is this is it time to start to worry about Vargas? Yeah, I think so. Um, certainly it's concerning. I mean, he's been very pedestrian this year. Like I was saying, there were a few games here, a few games there where he'll show some flashes of brilliance, but very little consistency. He's been great with the glove. Learning that new position at second base, it seems like he hasn't skipped a beat there. He's been really solid, turning a lot of great double plays. Like tonight was a great double play that they turned. Um, so, yeah, I think it is time to start worrying about him because he's just not taking the next step. He didn't really show a lot last year either. So we were kind of hoping that given the starting job, making it out of spring training, that he would take the next steps and start raking like he did in AAA. It just hasn't happened yet. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, they don't really have many other options at second base. I don't know why they haven't really given Michael Bush any run at second base. I understand now with the Max Muncy injury that they kind of have to use him at third base, especially with a uh, Chris Taylor also beat up. But anyways, last thoughts on this Astro series. Do you have any predictions of any Dodgers players that might have a big statement series, whether it's a pitcher that you think will do great or just a hitter? Um, I, I think Bobby, Bobby Miller's going right in the second game. Yeah. I say he has a bounce back game and he shoves and I think we get at least six innings of six innings of two runs or less, um, with like seven or eight strikeouts. I think he really bounces back, um, and, and has a big, it has a big series, but in terms of the offense, um, I think, I think we're going to see some big things out of Will Smith. Um, he's kind of cooled off a little bit with the bat, even though he had a really clutch RBI in the, in the, um, angel series in game one, but in terms of, uh, you know, kind of overall mashing the power, I, I I think Will Smith's going to have a big, uh, big series. I like it. I'm going to say Tony Gonsolin gives us seven in his start, seven innings, not seven and runs in case anyone's trying to fight me there. (laughs) <laughs> and then in terms of hitters, it's a tough one. Why don't I just keep the momentum rolling? I think it's three righties. David Peralta continues to have a hot streak. He's going to have one home run and one. He'll have at least five hits spread across the three games. Love it. I love what's happened with David Peralta. He's really uh, figured it out. After the Astros, the Dodgers travel down to Coors Field to face the Rockies. I don't remember the last time the Dodgers went to Colorado this late in the season, but they got a date with them. Seems to always be a wonky series. Something wild always happens out there. You know, the Rockies are in last place. There's not much really worth talking about with that team. They lost Herman Marquez for the season. They just throw out random scrubs. They got rid of Lamette. He, they DFA'd him. Um, but the one hitter I will note, he's... New to the team, I believe. Nolan Jones has been quite something for this team. 349 hitter, five home runs, 1,045 OPS. So keep your eye out on Nolan Jones. He could be a threat. But this is a bad team that we were just talking about. The Dodgers need to take care of business. So no excuse. They got to win at least two out of three to catch these other guys in the standings. All right, let's hit on some questions from our listeners. And then 
We'll close out the show with a couple quick segments and final thoughts. First up coming from real soundhound underscore on Twitter. Is this season showing that the front office is slippery, slippery slope of signing reclamation projects, you know, might not be working out. No, because you, you take the good with the bad with that approach and the Dodgers track record has been pretty damn impressive when it comes to finding diamonds in the rough. Take a look at Evan Phillips off the scrap heap. Now he's freaking Eric Gagne in his prime. Like he just, he, he's just so good. Um, when will they name him the closer? That's <laughs> a, a discussion for another time. Don't know why they haven't done it already, but no, I, I, I don't, I don't think it's time to question the front office at this point. They've shown nothing but uh, ability to make the right move when they need to. Very rare. Have we kind of talked about a colossal like fleece in terms of us being fleeced for something um, in terms of trades uh, they've for the most part passed on the appropriate free agents and not overpaying guys. Um, Corey Seager's kind of, uh, you know, making us pay a, a little bit there, the way that he's destroying the baseball in Texas. But for the most part, this Dodgers front office has put a championship roster together every single season. And like I've been saying, they definitely should have more than one title at this point. And it is not because of the front office. I really don't think so. That they've they've put together a a good enough roster to win. They I'm gonna... the only thing that they the only thing that they've not really been able to figure out lately is building the roster for the playoffs. Uh, and and they've never really not figured that out. The regular season they've got down, but as soon as it flips to October and they got to play in the postseason. I don't know why these rosters aren't aren't working out the way that they should be. I'm going to criticize this front office's approach, though, for continuing to take flyers on guys that are clearly injured, banking on them coming back mid-season, yeah, that's and hoping annoying. to get something out of them, and then getting nothing. It didn't work with Alex Reyes. We don't know yet what we're going to get out of JP Fire Eisen, at least this season. Looking back the last couple years with Danny Duffy, a guy who was actually good, but was hurt when they acquired him at the deadline and then throw didn't throw one single pitch as a Dodger over a year and a half span when they could have probably gotten someone healthy at the deadline. So that's frustrating. Don't forget Cole Hamels. They tried to take a flyer on him. They did the whole Tommy Canely thing where they signed him to two years, knowing that he would miss the first year. And then we Jimmy barely Nelson. got, we barely got anything out of Canely. Uh, Jimmy Nelson starting to look like that as well. He hasn't pitched yet this season. He didn't pitch last season. So what are we really doing there? When we are trying to like the injured trying injured trying. Yeah. I mean, picking up his yeah, option I mean, when he's it. hurt, well, picking up his option when he's clearly hurt, that's kind of annoying. And so my, my point I'm trying to get at is we let perfectly healthy and good relievers like Chris Martin walk when we really could have used his arm in the pen right now. And I really thought he was an excellent pickup. It wasn't like they had to pay a lot to re-sign him, anyways. So I questioned that decision and that motive. Yeah, that'd be my that'd be my one criticism too: is just not holding on to relievers when they should. Um, position players they've been they've been pretty decent at figuring out when to let guys go and when to keep guys. 
But when you look at this bullpen, they definitely could have used a Chris Martin at this point. But the thing is, is that I remember talking about this bullpen and this pitching staff at the beginning before the season started. And the way I looked at it was, I was like, these guys are going to be fine. I mean, all these guys were great last year. I don't think that they're all going to be bad this year. Like I had no idea. And when they've been bad, they've been all collectively bad with the exception of Evan Phillips, who hasn't been bad at all, except for maybe one or two outings. But I don't think anybody could have predicted that Vessia would be this bad, that Almonte would be this streaky, that Ferguson would have a really bad patch like he did. It seems like he's bounced back too. And and that and that Gratterall kind of not making the next step, although there's some flashes that he shows there that he is. So I, I don't think you could have predicted how um, bad the bullpen would be given what happened in the offseason. When there's room for Phil Bickford, you know that there is going to be some flaws in this bullpen. So that is my one critique. You're as strong as your weakest link, and we knew Bickford was going to be bad, and he made the team. We, well, with keeping that in mind that we thought Hudson would come back earlier to kick him off. Um, but, yeah, I mean, other than that, Gratterall, I like him as like a middle inning reliever. Wouldn't really consider him a true high leverage arm. And when you have him and Bickford and then – you were hoping Almonte would take the next step, but he regressed back to kind of his old tendencies. It was a lot of risk. There was a lot of gamble there, and they put too many eggs in one basket, and they're they're kind of paying the consequence, which will take us to our next question, actually, from Dodge16 underscore 12. How can they fix this bullpen? And then young Jeremy also on Twitter mentioning, you know, what kind of moves can this team make? And then one other question about trades, but we'll focus on those two right now. How can they fix the bullpen? I mean, we don't really need to go too in depth on this because we talked about this last week. They're probably going to have to trade for a high leverage arm. What name exactly to be determined because we don't really know the true sellers yet. But I think we're both in agreement here. They're going to have to trade for at least one closer bound type of reliever and maybe a second guy if they can't call someone up. 100%. I think they have to do that. But it also is going to depend depend on... Not only the guys that they do have, can they turn it around? Is this a turning point for those guys? Vessia, Almonte, Ferguson, Gonzalez. But also, what do they have when Hudson, Nelson comes back? Um, Are they going to have to go after another starter? What's Urias going to be like when he comes back? A lot of question marks um, that they currently have on this roster that I don't think that they have those answers right now. So it's hard to say that they need one, two, three relievers at the deadline. The other part of it is what are the other teams doing? You know, do how many teams are are, are going to be selling? And that could change in a month or two or sorry, what, not a month or yeah, a month or two because August 1st is the, is the trade deadline. So that's what they're going to be looking at. You know, are, you know, which teams are trending downward, which teams are going to be sellers. Then you can look at those rosters and find out who's available but I think the first order of business is find out really what you have when those reinforcements come back. Next question from Say It. Like they am one. In terms of the trade deadline, he wants us to talk bats. And if we can name five potential options that the Dodgers could trade for. So we'll He's work on five? this together. Okay. Maybe because we can come up with five together. There, that's what I just said. Yeah, There's yeah. the obvious Tim Anderson. They could potentially get him in a package deal. 
And maybe Tim Anderson isn't their shortstop, but maybe they rotate him with Vargas as a second baseman. Yeah, I, I, I would hope that they could get something more from the White Sox than just Tim Anderson. Oh, he'd maybe be the a, package. So Giolito yeah, like or, or Hendricks or someone or Graveman. Yes, that would be that. So I think Anderson is still an option. Willie Adamas, depending on what the Brewers are thinking, he could potentially take over as the Dodgers shortstop. And while he hasn't been great this season, I mean, he's hitting... 207 so he's basically hitting the same exact as miguel vargas 289 on base but he offers 10 home runs versus miguel rojas's zero home runs and he's pretty good defensively as well maybe they consider him and hope he can just rally it together in the second half and then i really haven't listed out the other three in my head although i know just based off what i've said in the past i wouldn't mind them adding andrew mccutcheon as a platoon bat if McCutcheon's perfectly okay not retiring with the Pirates and going after a World Series, and what better place to try to do that than with the Dodgers? There's your left fielder that can split time with Peralta and a platoon option. So I think McCutcheon offers that. Um, and then around the league, who else could be selling? Anybody? No, they're not going to find anybody in division on the Rockies. Um what about like the Nationals? Do they got anybody worth worth it? Um, Lane, Lane Thomas is someone that I guess could potentially make sense. He's an outfielder. I believe he's a right-handed bat who can hit yeah. lefties as well. So we'll throw we'll throw Lane Thomas in there. And then man. They're probably holding on to Manessas, right? Yeah, I can't see them moving him. And I don't yeah, I don't think he would really fit with us. And then um, another bad team, if I'm just thinking across MLB, MLB standing, let's see. I mean, in the American League, we've got the Royals at the bottom. We already mentioned the White Sox. The Athletics, I mean, I wouldn't really like this option, but he is a right-handed bat. Ramon Lariano, Dodgers yeah. could potentially take a flyer on him, platoon him with Peralta as well. He's what about a re? What about our? Uh, um, I know fans would love to know about a, uh, a re- reuniting with Cody Bellinger. What do you think about that? The Dodgers aren't going to trade for Cody Bellinger when they could have had him in free agency. That would just look absolutely foolish to trade prospects capital to bring back Cody Bellinger, who they could have resigned and had at, on the same salary. I mean, the Cardinals are also pretty bad, so maybe they want to move an outfielder like Dylan Carlson, who I know we were linked to in the offseason. Or maybe they try to get a package for Tyler O'Neill. So I'll throw them into that bag as well. Yeah, Bellinger's been bad lately. But what if they were to like get a get like a, a Marcus Stroman, you know, like package package those, you know. They're not gonna trade for Bellinger. They they might trade for Stroman, and some people would be upset about that, but they're not gonna trade for Bellinger. Just if I, if that happens, I'll be the first to admit I was wrong, but like the Astros, we got to move on. Zimzy on Twitter, how far can this Dodgers team sink yeah. before Otani decides there's better options? I don't know. That's kind of a silly question, honestly. The problem is, is that the Angels are in it. You know, like they're 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 in this race, and so it's a tough call because 
they have they have to figure out internally whether or not they think there's a real shot that Otani stays with them in the offseason. And if that's true, then then of course they could keep him and see how far they go. But boy, that would be an insane trade deadline if he gets moved. I still think in the offseason it'll come down to the Dodgers and Angels for Shohei Otani. Padres don't have the money. I just don't see how they could be in it. The Mets, he doesn't want to go to New York, especially the Mets. The, that'd be like going back to the Angels, but now you're on the East Coast and it'll be hard for your Japan, your home native Japan to even watch you play. The Mets are a dumpster fire. That's why I think he either stays in Anaheim, like you just said, maybe the Angels start to show him promise or he crosses the I-5 and makes the obvious chalk move, puts on a Dodgers uniform. I mean, if they if the Dodgers make a trade for him, how much easier will that be for them to sign him to an extension or or to keep him? Oh, I think that's a lock. Would be a, a foregone conclusion. Yeah, if they trade for Otani, it's a lock. I mean, they're gonna have to give up. Serve. They're gonna have to give up decent prospect capital, anyways. They wouldn't rent him. That's the, you take that to the bank. Um. All right. Last segment I got. Last segment I got, and then we can close out the show. I don't know why the Dodgers keep announcing more bobblehead nights. There's just an oversaturation with these bobbleheads. I'm not going to name them all, but some of the ones that stood out to me is like, why are we giving Austin Barnes another bobblehead? He might not even be a Dodger by the time this bobblehead rolls around because <laughs> he's the worst hitter statistically in the sport. And as someone that's been defending Barnes for years, even I have to acknowledge that a pivot might be ma- need to be made and they might have to acquire a different backup catcher because Barnes, he's not offering really anything behind the plate now. He's an average to below average defender. His pitch framing is mediocre at best. He can't throw anybody out and he can't hit. So what what is he good for? Locker room presence? He's yeah, he'd be a more quiet Hanser Alberto at this point. It, it it might be time to say thanks so much for your service, but you know it's time to it's time to move over, move on. It's it's just it's just bad. One one thing that I did want to bring up about about Barnes and some of these other uh, hitters that are struggling, like if you have to play Austin Barnes, why don't you treat him like a like a pitcher? You know, like when when the pitchers used to hit and they used to lay down sacrifice bunts. If you're gonna get out, let's make it a productive one. Let's get some let's lay down some bunts. Bunt some guys over, learn how to do it. At least contribute that way if you're not gonna if you're not gonna make contact swinging the bat. Some of these other bobbleheads though, like are you freaking kidding me? Caleb Williams has a bobblehead, a USC Trojan quarterback. The guy isn't even pro, and we're giving him a bobblehead for what? What, what about LeBron? Well, yeah, saving the best for last, which is LeBron James. He's not even a Dodger fan. He's been a Laker for probably five years now. He won a championship with the Lakers. He, in my mind, deserves to have his jersey retired. I don't know yet if I'm going to accept the fact that they could build a statue for him. I think that would be extreme. But Dodger bobblehead for LeBron James. What are we thinking here? I mean, it's definitely a money grab. People are going to come to the stadium to get that for sure. Bring the LeBron stands to Dodger Stadium so that they have to get his silly purple crown LeBron James Dodger wearing jersey. Well, there's a lot of crossover between Dodgers and Lakers fans, so it wouldn't surprise me. 
Yes, but you gotta you gotta win over the other Laker fans that think they're too cool for baseball. Maybe yeah, now with the pitch so. clock, they'll they'll show up, get their bobblehead, and be like, "Hey, the sport isn't as bad as I thought it was." <laughs> hey, and this team's actually really good consistently every year. <laughs> God, the this the oversaturation with bobbleheads is driving me up the wall. They make the prices more expensive on purpose to get into the stadium, even with tick pick. But and I don't care about an Austin Barnes bobblehead. I don't know. I don't know if Miguel Vargas deserves a bobblehead just yet. What's next? Johnny DeLuca bobblehead? Like we're getting just crazy here. And I think Gavin Lux has a bobblehead this year, which is kind he of d- a, a depressing. He does have a bobblehead, but in their defense, that was scheduled before he blew out his knee. Yeah. I wonder when they made that one though. They should make <laughs> a they should make the Gavin Lux bobblehead him running from second to third. Oh God. Or him looking down on the on the like whatever the go kart. That would just be so cruel. <laughs> Any final thoughts, Jake? I'm very, very happy that they were able to win these two games against the Angels. Like, I think that was huge in terms of their confidence, in terms of their momentum. I really love that they were able to pull these two wins out and the way in which they won them. Granted, the offense has been very sleepy lately. They continue to be sleepy. I mean, if you'd have told me they only scored four runs in two games, I would have said that they lost both of those games. But the real story was the pitching, and that's why they won these two games. And I think that is the most encouraging thing from this series. If that means that this that this bullpen and this starting staff is is going to produce at this clip, well, I mean, starting staff, only Kershaw was the real true starter in this series, but specifically with the bullpen, if this means that they're turning this around, th- this was huge. And I, I I don't think it can be overstated because if, if this bullpen puts it together with the reinforcements that are on the way, then you can look back at, at, at this series and say, yep, they figured it out. I don't know what they figured out. I don't know why they were able to completely shut down Trout and Otani, but they did it. And whatever they did, keep doing it. I got two final thoughts, one being Dodgers related and one being an out of left field. I'm really liking this quote that I'm reading from Caleb Ferguson talking about the Dodgers bullpen had multiple conversations over the past couple of weeks. And although he said there was nothing out of the ordinary, just players getting together to discuss their struggles and how to improve. So love reading about the unity there. And hopefully it's it looks like it worked in this series. So hopefully these guys have found something and so my out of left field, so sorry if you you cancel me on this, people, but the tipping culture in the United States is getting out of control. First of all, you go to like any, not really fast food, but like you go to a Starbucks or you order a smoothie at a counter or, you know, you go to like a fast food, I get, or I don't know what you call them, but you, you, fast casual. There's almost now everywhere. Like almost it's almost at the grocery store at this point. You check out. It wants you to tip. I always decline for the most part unless I'm eating in. Then I might consider it. But now it's like since when did it become the societal norm to tip 20 percent? Am I missing something here, Jake? Is 20 percent the new normal? I thought 20 percent was pretty normal when you when you go to a restaurant and you sit down and you're waited on. 
that's that's the going rate, 20%. But to tip 20% at Starbucks or any of these fast food joints where you're getting it to go, I mean, I get it if you want to be I mean, if you want to be a little, you know, over generous and what whatnot, but I agree. It's it's it is out of control. But if you go to a restaurant and you get waited on and it's the whole experience and you really like the service, then yeah, 20% is the going rate for that. I mean, I caught on when it went from 15 to 18%, but did we just go to 20% like two years later? I'm still lost here. And that's not and that's not even factoring in how all these restaurants are raising their prices like quick crazy. So when you're tipping 20% on these inflated prices, it's more like you're tipping now closer to 25% because of these inflated menu prices. So that $10 burrito now is like a $14 burrito. And then you get a drink that's probably another 10 to $15. So let's say your bill is 30 bucks. Then you get taxed 10%. So that's another three bucks. So that's $33. And then you you want to pay a 20% tip. So that, what is that? $6.66. So your, pay, your bill is now 40 bucks. Yeah. No, it's it's getting out of control. But I always thought twenty percent was the was the standard for for restaurant service. But not not when you're, you know, when when they're just handing you something. I mean, not even making it. They're just like, here's this. You know, like I I I I, I don't I don't understand that. At least. You know, there's sometimes when they when they want you to tip and they're looking at you and they're waiting for you to tip. But most of the time, they'll just spin that iPad around and they won't look. And, you know, you can either tip what you want or not tip. But that's a little more comfortable than having someone peer over your shoulder. Yeah, I mean, if, if the restaurants that just do the standard now forcing you to tip them 18%. I don't know how I even feel about that. I've been to some places where more on the higher end and it's just me and my wife and they still just throw on the 18%. Fortunately, so far in the past, the service has been you know excellent. So I don't feel begruddled paying what they force upon me. But it kind of irks me when there's the 18% tip or 20% tip and then or gratuity if you're cool, I guess. And then they throw on like a three to 4% random charge in there. Have you seen those yeah. where it's either like a clean, yeah. like a cleaning type of thing or like a service additional fee? It's like, this is just the amount of fees getting thrown into everything is just driving me nuts. Yeah, no, it's it's insane. And that's my rant for the week. Everybody, hope you have a good week ahead. Thank you again for listening to the Incline Dodgers podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to our podcast or if you're on YouTube, hit the like button and subscribe as well. You can follow me on Twitter at Klein25. You can follow Jake on Twitter at Reiner underscore Jake. And give us a five-star rating if you like the show and you'll hear from us soon as we continue to cover the Dodgers in this interesting up and down season. Not like the last few years where it's kind of been smooth sailing and we've been all just nothing but hype. But this year, you know, this might be the most negative the show's been in ever. Yeah. All right. Have a good one, everyone. Go Dodgers.